Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Connor Barth. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. What's going on, guys? It's another live edition of the Heel Tough Vlog Podcast coming at you here on a Friday night before the Tar Heels get ready to play their first CW game of the season. If you guys are going to be watching at home, uh, it'll be a 6.30 kick against the Virginia Cavaliers, and we're here to break it down for you here on this edition of the show. Uh, this is, you know, one of those games that, uh, you know, in, in years past, you probably wouldn't have a ton of fans at, um, no matter how good the team was at. But uh, it was announced today that this is going to be a sellout. And I think when you talk about things that show you that this season is different for Carolina football, the fact that this game against a team in Virginia that has yet to beat not just a power five opponent, Carolina has five wins against Power 5 opponents, all by double digits, by the way, the only team in the country to accomplish that so far this year. Uh, Virginia has yet to beat an FBS team. They have one win on the year. It came two weeks ago against William and Mary, and it came in a game that they had to come from behind to win. So normally you would say, okay, well, is the stadium really going to be that packed? They just announced today that this that the stadium is going to be full, or at least all the tickets have been sold, and that this place is going to be rocking on Saturday evening into Saturday night as the Tar Heels uh, once again renew the South's oldest rivalry with the Virginia Cavaliers. And this one, uh, you know, the, the the biggest thing that the coaching staff has been talking about all week is don't bite the cheese. And that may sound corny, it may sound weird, but really what they're what they're saying is is look, do not be the rat that or mouse that falls for the trap game. And that's what this game looks like. Um, it feels a lot in my mind like the game against Georgia Tech last year that Carolina played when they were nine and one. Um, it's a game that, you know, going in, they, a lot of guys on the, on the team probably feel like they have a really good chance to win, but they have to come out motivated and ready to go and need to make a statement against Virginia, as opposed to allowing Virginia to stick around and potentially falling uh, victim to another trap game like they did in 2022. 
Yeah, I mean, look, the, the difference with this game as opposed to the Georgia Tech game last year, uh, Virginia is not half as good as that Georgia Tech team was at the end of last year where Georgia Tech was beating a lot of really good teams. But, um, you know, we're, we put a lot of stock in rivalry games because they are the, they, they are the lifeline of the sport of college football, especially in a day and time where conference realignment has kind of really taken away what makes college football the special sport that it is. The rivalry games are the ones that, 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 that can kind of save it. And this is a Virginia team, a Virginia program that needs something to hang their hat on because it's just been, it's been a rough couple years on the field and it's been rough for that program off the field, the tragedy they had to endure uh, at the end of, of last season. And so Tony Elliott is a guy that's still looking for his first real signature win as a head coach at the FBS level. What better way to go on the road into your rivals uh, house as a top 10 team and, and beat them. And that's going to be the message to his guys. And, you know, for Carolina to take the next step, this is a game that they should not struggle in because Virginia doesn't have the talent. They, they don't have the depth. And that should be what we see on the field tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, I mean, you brought up a point about how, you know, Tony Elliott's looking for his first signature win. Dude, Tony Elliott's looking for a win that saves his job. Um, there are many people that believe that he is – the first guy in the ACC that will be going, either him or Jeff Halfley over at Boston College this year. Um, and I got to tell you, if, if this team is not going to be put up a better performance against FCS, uh, FBS competition uh, than they have so far this year, it would not shock me at all. The thing that always concerns me about when you play games like this, we've talked about rival the, the rivalry games. And it always seems it, it this, this isn't a Mac a Mac Brown problem. This isn't a Larry Fedora problem. This is a program problem since we've been following the team. It always feels like these rivalries, the only I wouldn't necessarily say Duke. I think Duke Carolina's always gotten up for. But these games, especially against Virginia and State, it always feels like those those sides get up for these games more than Carolina does, right? And that's always something that we have to be concerned about. That would be my my worry for this game because I think even you go back to last year, Carolina won that game. They won two in a row against Virginia after losing four straight. But it felt like last year Virginia was the team that was more motivated for that game. Carolina just sleptwalked through that game and was able to pull that one out because they were simply the better team. They might be able to do the same thing in this game, but my thing is, why risk that? Come out and and then from the word go, just pound this team into the ground. Um, they're a team that has just struggled in just, I mean, almost every aspect of the game. Um, going through and looking at some of their statistics, it's just unbelievable. I mean, they, they, they do have some guys. Trust me, there's some talent. There's guys that can hurt you if you're not careful on this team. But this is far from the toughest opponent that you're going to face. I mean, I got to be honest. It's probably not. They are probably, the way they were playing before their bye week, they are probably not far off from the Campbell team that you will play in a couple of weeks. That's how bad that they have actually been playing to this point. Um, but I, I think, you know, Carolina's got to they've got they've got to keep in mind that there's going to be extra motivation for Virginia in this game. And if they don't come prepared, Virginia can punch them in the mouth. Yeah, uh, I mean, look, this is you go back to that game last year was one of the biggest reasons why. I didn't really believe in last year's team down the stretch was because you couldn't go on the road to a less than hostile environment and beat a team by double digits like you like like you should have been. And so um, I think the thing about th this year's team is, you know, they 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 haven't they, they they haven't really let you down after a big moment. Like we we should have known that App State was going to be the type of game App State was going to be just because the history of that program against power five opponents, they play you tough. And you look at just the way those two teams match up history would tell you that, you know, they would play tough, but you know, you went on the road and won at Pittsburgh for the first time uh, under Mac Brown. 
that led into a bye week. You come out of your bye week and you beat the crap out of a Syracuse team. Then you go into a, a primetime game at home against a Miami team looking to bounce back from a rough performance. You beat the crap out of them in the second half. And so this Carolina team has been much more motivated than we saw even with last year's nine-in-one start. And I think the expectation is that that will carry over tomorrow evening. Well, let's take a look at the Virginia team that Carolina is going to be playing in this one. And uh, as I said, the numbers are, are rather ugly. Offensively, averaging 22.3 points per game, 106th in the country. Uh, they are uh, passing for 249.3 yards per game. That's really the strength of this offense once again this season. And why wouldn't it be? Because uh, running the football just – I mean – I can't even remember the last time Virginia has been able to run the football. They're averaging 99.5 rushing yards per game so far this season. That means just 348.8 yards of total offense this year. Uh, You look at, you know, what they'll present on that side of the ball, and really it's trying to figure out what they're going to do at quarterback. Tony Musket began the season there, the transfer from Monmouth. Um, he, he gets injured in that first game against Tennessee on a big hit, um, is out for a few games. That means, uh, Anthony, Anthony, uh, Calandria comes in and he was solid. Um, you know, 923 passing yards, five touchdowns, six interceptions so far this year for him, but they have since gone back to Tony Musket. Um, they, they said this week, Tony Elliott said that there's a possibility that you could see both quarterbacks in this game. So that's the one thing. When you talk about the parallels to last year's game against Georgia Tech, they played multiple quarterbacks in that game. Carolina's got to be prepared. Now, the thing is, neither guy mobile, so you don't have to worry about that. Both guys are going to have to win from the pocket if they're going to win the game. But, uh, you know, these are two guys that can throw the football. They can spread it around. They have so far this season. Um, and if they're, you know, if they're going to win the game, it's going to be because the, one of those guys is going to put up a great performance. Uh, they do have the conference's leading receiver so far this year, Malik Washington, the transfer from Northwestern, 44 catches, 668 yards receiving. And five touchdowns. He's helped by Malachi Fields, who has 31 catches for 418 yards and two touchdowns. The thing is, is that outside of those two guys, they do not have a single receiver that has more than 61 yards receiving. Kobe Pace out of the backfield has nine catches for 115 yards and two touchdowns. But really, their production comes from two guys. So if Carolina is able to take away those two guys, and I think in this game, the game plan needs to be for Carolina, move Elijah Huzzy back to the outside. If you have to play more DJ Jones in this game, then you do because you need to find a way to make sure that Malik Washington is taken away in this game. On the ground, I mentioned not a great running team. It's a two-headed monster back there. The Clemson transfer, Kobe Pace. Uh, so far this year, 211 yards, one touchdown for him. Paris Jones, who returns from last year, is their more productive runner. He's averaging 5.7 yards per carry as opposed to Pace's 3.6. So far this year, he's ran for 235 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, so those are the two guys to keep an eye on back there. Their offensive line has had a really rough year. They rank 110th or worse in both tackles for loss allowed and sacks allowed. So it's not a great unit at all. Carolina, uh, you know, with with how well they've been playing in their defensive front, especially the last two weeks, you would expect Carolina to be able to get after the quarterback, which will be a big key in this game that we'll tell you more about coming up later on. Then you go over to the defensive side of the ball. And look, the yard numbers are not that bad. But it really is the points per game. Virginia is allowing 31.8 points per game. That's 113th in the country this season. Allowing 379.8 yards of total offense. Just 202.8 through the air, which is pretty solid. But 177 yards per game being allowed on the ground. Strength of the unit is in the secondary uh, with uh, guys like 
Conan King, the starting cornerback, who's had a really strong year, uh, 31 uh, total tackles for him, three uh, passes defensed already so far this year. Uh, and uh, alongside him, uh, they do have a couple of safeties that are having really strong years uh, as well, uh, led by Jonas Sanker, who actually leads the team in tackles with 53. He also has six passes defensed uh, so far on the season. Uh, but that's really where it ends. Their, their best guy in their front seven, Cameron Butler, he was off to a fantastic start, had a great game against Tennessee in the opener. Uh, tw he had 23 total tackles, five tackles for loss, and three and a half sacks in the first four games of the year. But in that fourth game of the season, he gets banged up. Uh, they find out it's a torn peck, and he is out for the season after he had surgery on that. That is the only guy on uh, Virginia's roster that has more than one sack so far this year. And as a team so far this year, when you take Butler out, the team has one and a half sacks the entire season. So their defensive front is not good. It's a big part of the reason why teams have been able to run on them. So Carolina, that should be an area that they are looking to attack, especially with an offensive line that is playing much, much better. Their linebacking core, uh, James Jackson has been solid, but uh, it's not grading out well if, you, if you're big into pro football focus. Uh, 43 total tackles so far this year. He is second on the team. And then Cam Robinson is their other starting linebacker, 30 total tackles so far this year, two tackles for loss for him uh, so far. So uh, it's it's not a great unit. Even their special teams uh, has been bad, and that works for Carolina considering that uh, Carolina has not been great in terms of kick coverage. Well, neither has Virginia. Their coverage units are awful, and uh, their return units have been terrible as well. Uh, so it, this is just an all-around bad team that Carolina is facing in this matchup. And it's why they should be able to take advantage of Virginia from the word go. When you look at the Tar Heel storylines, I think it really starts, of course, with what Drake May has been doing over these past few games. And you, know, you talked about how important the month of October is for him. I think you know the game against Georgia Tech could be, be I'm not going to say it's going to be a great matchup. We have to see what Georgia Tech does this weekend at home against Boston College, but that's still a team that could be pretty formidable, may come into that game with only two losses. This is that game, though, where it can be easy to kind of get content, uh, but this is a chance uh, against a, a team in Virginia that's limping in here for Drake to really continue to build on what he's been doing so far in the month of October. Yeah, you know, look, I know you meant that their defensive, their, their their pass yards allowed is like 202. Well, they ain't played a quarterback quite as good uh, as as Drake, and they haven't seen an offense that's got the the the, the weapons that, that that Carolina has at, at its disposal. And so, you know, I said, look, this was a great month for him just to put himself back in the conversation, kind of just reintroduce himself to the college football world after the first month was really dominated by quarterbacks out on the West Coast. He's done that with performances against Syracuse. He was absolutely sensational uh, at times last week against Miami, despite barely completing 50% of his passes. This is a better matchup for him where he could put together statistically his best performance of the season. Yeah, well, I mean, I, if it's his best performance of the season, it's his best the performance in his entire career. And I think that's certainly possible in this game. It'll be interesting. I think the biggest thing for him is, you know, just, just be smart, be efficient in this game, because it feels like you could have, you know, uh, the opportunity to put together what may not be your best statistical game of the season, but might be your most efficient game of the season. Um, this Virginia team, you know, look, they're going to have to do everything they possibly can to try to stop the run in this game. And, I, I mean, Carolina's running game, the way it's been playing when they've been at full strength, uh, they they should be able to run the football on this Virginia team. So, you know, just take what's there for you. I think as long as you continue to build upon what you've done and you, if you're smart, the biggest thing that you have to do right now, especially with you know, every the, the rest of the guys that are currently in the race, most of them uh, being from the Pac-12, um, you know, you, just just avoid the landmines, avoid these bad games because 
These guys, they're playing tough opponents every single week. Guys like Michael Penix Jr., Caleb Williams, Bo Nix. These guys are facing all these other tough teams. And look, uh, someone has to lose some of these games that are going to be coming up. If you can avoid, you know, just avoid uh, a bad performance that sort of, you know, catches the eye of some of these Heisman voters as reasons to leave you off of their ballot, uh, it, it, it really can help you. That's the biggest thing that you have to do in these types of games. But I'm with you. I also think that, you know, Virginia's defense has not faced a quarterback anywhere near this caliber. Um, we, we've seen, you know, at times this year, you go back to the Minnesota game, you go back to the Pittsburgh game. Both of those defenses came in pretty confident with where their past defenses were at. And Carolina tore them apart. Drake May had field days against them. It feels like this could be another one of those types of performances. And one of the reasons that it could be that type of performance is because of Tez Walker. Off to a really good start. Uh, you know, had a, had a solid start to the to uh, his Tar Heel career against Syracuse, but really broke out last week uh, when he had six catches, 132 yards, and three touchdowns against Miami. I think one of the biggest things that a lot of people are going to be keeping an eye on in this game is what does Tez do to build off of his performance against Miami and continue to build momentum as uh, he, he really, you know, molds into what might be Carolina's best receiver on this team this year. Yeah, I think it's unfair to ask for a three-touchdown performance, but I think what you want oh, to continue yeah. to see from him is him to – bring to the table his best asset, which is the ability to take the top off the defense, which is why we, we, we've said collectively takes Carolina's offense to another level. I was talking about this today on the Wesson Walker show uh, on WFNZ. Before he got reinstated, Carolina's offense was still explosive. It was still dynamic, but it was an offense that just kind of methodically moved itself up and down the field. Nothing wrong with that. But as you gear up for um, those games at the end of the schedule against Duke, Clemson, NC State, you got to be able to make home run plays. You now got a better chance at that with Tez Walker, you know, on the roster, get him a little bit more acclimated um, and just get him, you know, more and more comfortable in the offense. And so, um, like I said, Virginia secondary has held up rather well so far this year. They ain't seen a dude like Drake. They ain't seen a receiver like Tez. They both could be in for a big uh, game tomorrow night. Speaking of secondaries, you move over to the defensive side of the ball for Carolina. And I think that's really the biggest thing that you're focusing on defensively for the Tar Heels in this one is what do they do uh, to follow up that performance against Miami where the Hurricanes were able to tear them apart. We've seen this at times um, you know, so far this year through the air, teams have really been able to pick apart Carolina. You saw it in the first game of the season, really the first two games of the year. Uh, and then Carolina really settled down. Now, those were against quarterbacks that weren't quite in the rhythm that some of these other guys are. Um, look, I know this has not been a great start to the year for Virginia. There's a reason that they have two quarterbacks out there. Calandria turned the ball over a lot. But even if you see him out there, uh, these are guys that that are capable of moving the football down the field through the air. Uh, that's the one thing you need to see this secondary coming off of maybe their worst performance of the year in large part because Elijah Huzzy had his worst performance of the year. You need to see them bounce back in this uh, in this game against a wide receiving core that boasts two of the conference best. Yeah, I think it's the one thing that Virginia has done well, but you look at the yardage Carolina gave up last last week. The game was 35 to 17 in the middle of the third quarter. Like Miami had no choice but to start to start throwing. Um, you look at, you know, what Spencer Rattler did week one, he had no choice but to throw it because at that point in the year, South Carolina couldn't run block. So they kind of had to go, you know, air spur that 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 that, that first weekend in Charlotte. And and so um I, I hear what you're saying, but I feel pretty confident that, you know, if Carolina is in a if, – if for some reason it's a it's a tightly contested game, I don't think they're just going to give up passing yards left and right because I think, in, in, you know, in the moments when they needed to make plays defensively, they've been able to do so. And so, look, if the game gets out of hand in the first quarter, first half, 
35-14, Carolina's going to soften up and give up some some passing yards just because you don't want to get beat over the top for the big play. But I'm not overly concerned about Virginia coming into our building and throwing it all over the yard for like some 400-yard passing total like we've seen in years past. Well, I mean, look, Carolina hasn't given up 400 yards passing in a game so far this year. So I, I'm not necessarily worried about that. Uh, I do think that, you know, one of the things that we talked about after the game against Miami was the fact that a receiving core that boasts two or three really talented guys could bother this secondary because that was kind of what was lacking in some of those games where Carolina played really, really well. You saw it, you know, first game of the year. The really, it was it was one guy that hurt you the entire night, but the other night it was multiple guys that hurt you, and you saw multiple guys in your secondary uh, that got beat. You know, Elijah Huzzy got beat for two touchdowns. Don Chapman gets beat deep uh, in a situation where you can't get beat deep when you, you know you you were basically in prevent mode trying to take away any deep pass. So. I, I think I'm not concerned about it, but I do think it's one of those things that the coaching staff, you know, they, they, they said this week that they were not happy with some th- with, with certain things, um, that they were, you know, coaching guys hard and that they were that they were focusing on this as, as a game that uh, was great for the program to win, but that they needed to build on, build upon and improve upon. And I think that's going to be, you know, one of the things that we're going to be keeping an eye on. The other thing that we're going to be keeping an eye on uh, throughout the team is discipline. You're coming off a game where you had 14 penalties. Uh, And look, so far this year before that, that wasn't really an issue for Carolina. I mentioned when we were recapping the game uh, the other night that, you know, Carolina came in, they were averaging five penalties per game, a little over 48 yards per game. Uh, in penalty uh, or 48 yard, yeah, 48 yards per game penalty wise, uh, which is you know sort of middle of the pack in the country, uh, to slightly above average in some of those categories. Uh, so they were you know for the most part they were doing what they had to do discipline wise. They lost some of that against Virginia uh, against Miami, which I think at times is is just a certain element of playing a game against Miami where it's physical. Uh, things might get a little mouthy and everything like that. This is a game where, especially against an opponent like Virginia, where you might be able to put them away early. You do not want to let them stick around or, God forbid, get back into the game because you're taking stupid penalties. Yeah, no, that's pretty much what it is. You know, you you commit 14 penalties in this game. It might not cost you the game, but it might keep a game that shouldn't be close a lot closer, or it could, in fact, cost you. And so – I thought, I, thought, I thought a lot of it last week was you had an officiating crew that called the game rather tight, and you, sometimes you get that in a big game. And I thought there was just a lot of energy and emotion the guys were feeding off of, and it kind of impacted them in a negative way. And so it was a growing, it was a learning experience. And now you hope you, you, you kind of grow from that, you build from that, and that doesn't happen again because you hope you're going to be playing in even more meaningful games as the season does get longer. So – um, but this has been a problem for Mac Brown and some of the games that Carolina has lost that make you go scratch your head and yell, what the F at your television. The, 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 the penalties have been a big reason why. Hopefully that's not the case tomorrow night because I don't feel like uh, yelling at my 6-0 and team for being undisciplined in a rivalry game. Well, and I mean, it's like I said, you know, even when we were looking at the game the other night, I thought there was an adjustment in the second half. The other thing is, is when you go back and look at some of the penalties, a lot of them are just, I'm not going to say a lot of them, but some of them were were bad luck. You had, you know, hands to the face. And at times, like there, trust me, there are some obvious ones on the defensive line where you do get hands straight to the face. But some of the times it's literally just you, you know, trying to, uh, bull rush a guy on the interior of the offensive line and your hand slips up, catches his face mask, and all of a sudden they're throwing the flag. Uh, Some of the holdings, if a guy runs in a different direction, it doesn't get called because you're not, it doesn't end up uh, that you're still locked in on the guy and you end up grabbing him. So it's things like that. I'm not too worried about it. To me, the biggest thing was, I mean, how many, how many late hits, 
how many personal foul penalties that just kind of left you scratching your head did you really have? I just remember really the one on stick lane where he hit the guy out of bounds. Other than that, I don't really remember any. So I think what you said about the game being called really tight, I don't know. I I really don't think you're going to see that again in this one. So hopefully that means that Carolina, uh, if, uh, you know, as long as they remain smart, uh, that, that they won't have these, those same sort of issues that they had a week ago. And the final storyline is one that I, I think, you know, you, you have to bring up because it is Tar Heel football and we've seen it so often. And, you know, they've said don't bite the cheese. But the thing is, is you have to avoid um, falling into the trap that you've had before as Carolina football. They, I mean, they, people have said it so many times, Carolina football just lives to disappoint you. And, you know, this is this is one of those games that it could be very easy to fall into that trap. You've got you know, a game coming up on the road at Georgia Tech against a team that has owned you the last couple of years that you want to bounce back against. And that could be a really solid team. You've got three games at the end of the season uh, that, you know, coming into the year, your head coach was talking about how difficult they were. Well, they look to be incredibly difficult, including a game against the Duke team that depending on what Duke does, especially tomorrow night and the next few games after that, you could be facing a Duke team that has one loss in what could be a top 15 matchup in Keenan Stadium and could you know, determine who goes to the ACC championship game at the end of the year. You have the road game uh, in, in Death Valley and a very tough place to play against the Clemson Tigers. And then you have NC State on the road in a rivalry matchup against a team that has really, you know, owned you the last, you know, the, the last decade, decade and a half. So, you know, it's easy for this to potentially be a game that you sort of overlook, but Carolina can't do that uh, in this game against Virginia. They have to, as Roy Williams said so many times, we have to just take it one game at a time. I mean, look, here's here's the simple truth. You you lose tomorrow, it, it it undoes everything good you've done so far this year. And you can kiss goodbye, um, probably competing for an ACC championship. And there's no way you're going to make the comfortable playoff because teams that, that lose to the teams like Virginia um, shouldn't be allowed to play for a championship. And, and so that's just that's just the simple truth. Um, and it was kind of like what Georgia Tech was last year. It kind of was something that just, you know, it was the beginning of the end for that team. Um, the difference was last year, the writing was on the wall. You could see that loss was always in the cards for that Tar Heel team because they didn't dominate teams the way they've dominated them this year. And so um, I, I don't think we're going to get an unfocused team tomorrow or a team that's not going to take their opponent seriously because they've worked so hard to, to get this first 6-0 start in 26 years, to get back inside the top 10 of the AP poll, to get their quarterback back in the Heisman Trophy discussion. So, um, But, yeah, Tar Heel football, it, 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 it lives to disappoint you. Um, I'm sure at some point this year we're probably going to be disappointed in some form or fashion. Let's just not let that be tomorrow night. Yeah, and and I've I've pointed to that Georgia Tech game so many times, and I think that's the thing that this team has to use as a learning experience. Just about every single guy on this roster was there a year ago. Um, I mean, you look, you have a lot of transfers and everything like that, but the leaders of this team were here a year ago. They need to remember that game. That needs to be the game that is sticking in their mind and that they're using as motivation to come out and play a complete 60-minute game in this one. Because if they don't, they could find themselves in trouble. And we'll, we'll transition straight into our keys to the game. And, you know, one, my, my first key to this game uh, is really, and it's probably the most important key, which usually we do at the end, but I'll just kind of transition to it because we're talking about it here is don't get comfortable. I think that's the thing that last year this team, or, or maybe not comfortable, but comfortable is probably not the right word now that I, I hear it. It's don't get content. 
Last year, it really felt like Carolina races out to a 17-0 lead against Georgia Tech. And all of a sudden, they got content. They said to themselves, oh, we're we're, we're beating a, a, a team in Georgia Tech that really isn't that good. We're beating them handedly at home here early on. We can sort of take our foot off the gas and, and go into cruise control. And before you know it, Georgia Tech was back in the game. And then in the blink of an eye, Georgia Tech has the lead. And all of a sudden, Carolina has to make a play late. They don't. And they end up losing a game that nobody thought Carolina was going to lose last year. It knocks them out of the college football playoff discussion. And it basically started a down a, a downward spiral for the team to finish last season. I think in this game, the key is, is that if you get out to a fast start, you cannot get content. Do not let Virginia have any hope in this game and find their way back into this one. Virginia is not a good team, guys, so don't let them look like it. I know we live in a day and time where we care about people's feelings and we don't want to embarrass anybody. Um, Carolina needs to embarrass Virginia. And then they don't need to feel bad about it. You know, there, there's a famous Lou Holtz quote where he was coaching at William and Mary and he went to West Virginia and he got beat 66 to 13. And Bobby Bowden was the head coach at West Virginia at the time. And he goes to the, the 50 yard line to shake hands. And he asked Bobby, why'd you run the score up? We're friends. And Bobby told him, it's your job to keep the score in check. Not mine. That's where Carolina's at. Like, if, because they don't have the the reputation that a Florida State has, or even maybe the resume that a Florida State has, Carolina's playing for style points if they really want to be taken seriously as a, as a playoff contender. And so style points means tomorrow, if you got a chance to win the game by 40, 45, 50 points, you go out there and do it. And the thing is, is Carolina is capable of doing such a thing. They're capable of putting this game away in the first half uh, or at least early in the third quarter. And that's what that 15 team did. I reference that all the time. What separated that team from, you know, some of the other great teams we've seen was that team possessed the ability to blow people out. And they didn't feel bad about it. I mean, they ran teams like Miami off the field, beat them by 35, beat Duke, I think, at home by 35. That's why they were able to put themselves in a position when they played Clemson in the ACC title game, despite being ranked eighth in the in, in the polls, to where if they would have won the game, you could have maybe justified putting them in the college ball playoff. And so um, that's what Carolina's got to do. If it turns into that, like, you know, if it's 28 to 14, then you got to play like it's 28 to 14. But if this game does, has, does have the chance to get out of hand, Mac Brown's got to be willing to do that because – uh, they, it, it, it's only going to impress the, the people you've got to impress as the season moves along. Well, I mean, really the biggest thing is, is you just do not want to let Virginia hang around. You don't want them to have hope in this game and find a way to put you in a position where down the stretch, you have to worry about the outcome of this game. The outcome of this game should not be in question going into the fourth quarter. It shouldn't be. Like, Virginia just is not a good enough team for you to be in that position. Ideally, you would hope that this game is is somewhat reminiscent of what you saw against Syracuse a couple of weeks ago, where it is just complete dominance from the word go because you are clearly the better team. And I think that Carolina is capable of that, and I want to see that. But maybe it's just me being paranoid. What you, what you saw last year has me, I'm not going to say worried, but it, it has that thought in the back of my head. And that's why I think this is such a big key that if you get out to an early lead, you have to keep your foot on the gas and you have to make sure you pull away from this team before you can say, okay, we're comfortable enough. Like, I'm not saying that you have to run the score out. Like, you have to keep your starters in. I don't want to see Drake if this game is a 40, 50 point game, I don't want to see him in, in the, in the fourth quarter, but you have to get to that point in this game. You cannot let this become one of those games where Virginia suddenly gets a little bit of life and gets themselves back into it. One of the ways that you can do that is by running the football. Virginia's run defense 
is horrible. 177 yards per game allowed so far this year. And the other thing is, is that you compare it to the team that Carolina faced last week. Look at how great Carolina ran the ball on the ground a week ago. And that was against a Miami team that had the second best run defense in the entire country coming into that game. We didn't really talk about that in the post game when we were recapping that one. But I mean, the way Carolina ran the ball on a really good Miami front seven should give you confidence that they'll be able to do the same against a lesser Virginia front seven. And I think that's their that that should be their game plan going in is run the ball until Virginia proves to you they can stop it. Well, the thing is, is Carolina is going to probably be faced with light light boxes from the word go because there's going to be so much uh, focus on trying to take away Tez Walker, Nate McCollum, J.J. Jones, the, the, the passing attack of Carolina. And what Virginia is going to figure out the hard way is they got a dude in 28 who in Amari and Hampton that, you know, when he's going is as good a runner there is in the country and and the thing about this offense that I, I have loved more so than since Mac Brown came back is that you've got a coordinator that's willing to run the football, that's willing to stay committed to running the ball and doesn't get caught up in the sexiness of throwing the ball as hard as it is because it's very easy to understand why you want to throw it 45 times with, with Drake May back there. But he understands what he's got in his running back. Um, and, and so this could be a game where pretty much everybody in the offense eats, where May has a big day, Walker has a big day, but so does Amari and Hampton, because I don't know if Virginia has the personnel to tackle them or tackle him, and then I don't know if he, they want to tackle him, because I've seen Power 5 uh, teams like South Carolina and Miami, who have better athletes than Virginia do, not want to tackle him, and, and so – I think Carolina is going to want to establish the run to set up the pass. And then once the game gets out of hand, just wear them down up front by giving their, their stable of running backs the ball, starting with Hampton. Yeah, I, I think this this has a chance if, if you run the ball the way that you should. And last week was really the first time in that first half against Miami where I was frustrated with Chip and said, why in the world are we not running the ball more here early on? Um, I don't think that'll be a problem in this game. And I think Amorian has a chance in this one to get to that 200 yards from scrimmage mark again. And I, and I think it could be a game that rivals what he did against App State because I just don't feel like Virginia has the horses, especially on their defensive line, against a Tar Heel offensive line that is doing a really good job run blocking. And I, I, I feel like, you know, if he gets rolling, we've seen it from him this year. Once he gets rolling, it's really hard to stop him. So I think, you know, there there will be passing yards in this game. I know people are going to get worried about that. Well, you said about Drake May and trying to keep him, you know, build off of what he's done so far in October, keeping himself in the Heisman race. Guys, there will be moments for Drake May in this game. Trust me, especially if they start running the ball. It's going to make things easier in the passing game. I think it'll be a lot like what you saw in the game against Syracuse game plan-wise, uh, especially if they can run the ball early coming out of the gate. Final key to the game for this one against Virginia, I think they've got to get after the quarterback. And the reason that I say this is, one, the offensive line for Virginia is not great. They, are, As I said, they are 116th in the country in sacks allowed so far this year. Uh, they have not had a great season by any stretch down there. Um, and their quarterbacks, one of the things that they've struggled with so far this year, especially if it's Calandria back there, he has struggled with turnovers. So for Carolina, I think the biggest thing that you have to do is you have to get after whoever is in there at quarterback and not allow them to stand back there because they've got two really good receivers that can make your night a little bit difficult if you're not careful if you get after, you know, if Cayman Rucker has a big night, if Des Evans has a big night, like we've been seeing so far this year, I think Carolina has a really good chance to, uh, you know, have an outstanding night defensively in this one against Virginia. 
Well, I think more importantly is you just don't want to see uh, not put the same effort you put in last week. Like you don't want to see because this isn't the same type of team you played a week ago. Like you against South Carolina where you played, you were up to the moment. Then you kind of weren't as effective as you wanted to be against, you know, App State, Minnesota. Your defensive line was really good last week, really uh, was the reason why your defense allowed you to shut them out in the third quarter. And then you factor it in with, you know, they do got two really good wide receivers and they do got a quarterback that that can hurt you. I think this really, to to me, it ties in with the mentality where don't have a letdown game. Don't, don't Don't look at the record that Virginia has. Take every opponent the same, put the same effort that you put into it a week ago because if, if you play your if you play with the with, with the right effort with the with the the technique you've been taught, the offensive line stats would suggest to you that Carolina's defensive line, mainly Cayman Rucker, has a chance to have a field day up front. And that means shut down this offense, which means put the game away early. It kind of all ties in back to really all, what 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 all we're asking for here. And so I think that's gonna be my thing. You know, the, 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 there's going to be a lot. This is a maturity game for Carolina on both sides of the ball. And I think we're going to learn a lot about this defense, you know, as well as it's played so far this year, if they've matured um, in, in this game and if they have the right, you know, intensity and focus that they've had in the previous six. All right, let's get to the predictions for this game. What do you see happening tomorrow night in Keenan Stadium? You know this. This is a game that that screams uh, the you know the screams trap game, and this is a game that in my life in my lifetime as a Tar Heel football fan, um, it hasn't been easy to get wins in um, Virginia. Despite not being a football powerhouse, they've been a pain in the butt. Um, but I, I look I look at this game, and I just don't see a path to Virginia competing. I I really don't. I know. That this is this is their Super Bowl, um, and this is something that Tony Elliott desperately needs to save his job. But these are two teams on two different paths. One's heading to a one and eleven, two and ten type of year. The other is looking to position itself to return to the ACC title game and maybe crash the college football playoff party. So I think Carolina wins. I think Carolina wins big. I think it's forty nine fourteen heels tomorrow night in Keenan Stadium. Yeah, we've talked so much about how this team is is different. And this is another chance for them to prove that. It feels like we say that every single week. But each and every week, it's a different type of challenge. This is one of those types of games that in years past, even if they were able to win it, it would be a game that comes down to the end. It's an ugly-looking game. I think Carolina is going to come out motivated. I think the game that we've been talking about so much that they played last year against Georgia Tech is probably something that not only they're hearing from people like us, from fans, from the media, they're probably hearing it from the coaches in that locker room. They're probably hearing it from the leaders on the team that were a part of that game a year ago. I think they're going to use that as a learning experience. I think they're going to come out motivated in this game. And I think they really are just that much better than Virginia. Guys, there's a reason why Virginia has yet to beat an FBS opponent this year. And look, their their only game that they didn't play against Power 5 competition so far this year was James Madison. That's a really good group of five team. But still, I mean, this, this team has not looked apart really at all this year. I, I like Carolina big in this one as well. I think Carolina gets it done uh, 49 to 10. I like Carolina in Keenan Stadium tomorrow night. Regardless of what happens, guys, we'll have you covered on the website, heeltoughblog.com. The full preview will be going up in the morning for you guys. Uh, that'll have uh, everything that uh, it normally does. It'll have the uh, team breakdowns, team stat comparisons, uh, the uh, keys to the game, injury report, all that stuff uh, will be in there for you guys to take a look at before the Tar Heels take on Virginia. Uh, also, uh, make sure that you guys are checking everything out after the game uh, that we'll have for you. We'll uh, give you the recap, stock report, and then uh, transition over into next week's uh, affair uh, with Georgia Tech. 
Uh, but also, guys, make sure that you are checking out uh, the website for all the other stuff that we have on the football side of things. I put up the midseason grades earlier today. Make sure that you guys check that out. Uh, sorry that it took uh, so late into the week. Had a, a, some things going on uh, that I had to get taken care of here before I uh, was able to. Uh, to make sure that I was uh, good to go to the game tomorrow, uh, as well as uh, get all the stuff up on the website. But yeah, we have uh, the midseason grades up there for you. There's been some recruiting news that has rolled in as well. That was part of the reason that the midseason grades were a little delayed. Um, you know, you have two guys uh, in the 2024 class for Carolina that are committed that became four stars. So make sure you go ahead and check that out. You've got the Tar Heels' uh, lone current target in the classic. They could always, of course, add another one. Uh, you know, somewhere along the line, if they, uh, you know, do uh, really find a position of need, if they have a decommitment, something like that. Uh, but their last uh, target in the class, as of right now, a three-star defensive lineman, Leroy Jackson, announced uh, his commitment date. So make sure you go check out when that is. Uh, and where Carolina stands with him as well. Uh, so all of that stuff on the website. Meanwhile, on the basketball side of things, Carolina is closing in uh, on the uh, start of the season. Uh, it is right around the corner, actually just uh, a few weeks away. And Josh is going to have you covered with all sorts of preview stuff as we lead up to the season. We'll have you covered on the Four Corners uh, podcast side of things as well with a bunch of great content that will be coming up for you guys. You guys can subscribe to that podcast wherever you get the Heel Tough blog podcast on all of those major podcasting platforms. Uh, and there uh, could be a uh, video element that could be coming to that as well. So make sure that you guys are keeping an eye out for that uh, on all of these same pages, the Heel Tough blog Facebook page, Heel Tough blog, uh, YouTube page, and then that one will be on Josh's personal Twitter page like this one is on my personal Twitter page. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. want to thank Josh for hosting with me. want to thank you guys for watching and listening. And as always, go Tar Heels!